Okay. Today's teaching is the second part of a teaching I started two weeks ago. And the title is Four Kinds of Faith. I'm going to give you a mini recap, and it is available on our website if you want to listen to the first part of the teaching. But I'm going to give you a mini recap. The first thing I want to share is is the the purpose, the main purpose of this two-part teaching. And here it is. My purpose in this teaching is to dispel the myth that you won't get healed if you don't have enough faith. That's a myth. It doesn't matter if your faith is the size of a mustard seed as long as it's a pure faith. That isn't mixed up with a lot of other garbage from the world. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Now, here's some really good news. The faith that you need, if you're a believer, is already in there. You have the faith of Jesus. You have the faith of God within you. And I'm going to read two scriptures with you. These are review from last time I taught. I'm going to read two scriptures. There's a lot more than two, but I'm just going to share two that give you evidence that you have the faith in you if you're a believer, if you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you have received him as your Savior, you have the faith. So the first scripture is Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. It's not about me or Kathy or Kim or Renee or anybody having a superman faith because we pray a lot or we read a lot or we confess the word a lot. Uh uh-uh. God says, uh uh-uh. uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But be sober, be humble. Because it's the faith that he's distributed to us. Well, I, I do this because it uses the word dealt. And I just see somebody dealing out cards. And we all get the same one. The same, the same measure. And it's a good measure. The reason I use the old King James for this scripture is because this is a more accurate um, uh, a translation. In the newer versions, it says a measure of faith. But it's not just any old measure of faith. It is the measure of faith. And we all have the same measure. Now, here's even even better news. That measure of faith is the faith of Jesus. Let me give you another scriptural evidence of that. This is Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So let me just unveil a little bit of this scripture. It says I'm crucified with Christ. That happens when I receive the benefits of my salvation. Jesus died, and it's the potential for everybody to have this. But it's only actual when we Use the free will that God gave us to accept the gift. When we do, when we say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the only begotten son of God. I believe that you came to this earth. That you lived a life as a, as a man. 
that you ministered to people, that you healed people, that you, that you, you pointed us to the heart of God because you are the son of God. And then you died so that we could live. You took our sin in your body on the cross. You did all that. I believe all that, Jesus. And I want you to be my savior. And I want to give you lordship of my life. I surrender. I give up. I give up control. I surrender to you. When we make that choice, we're crucified with Christ. And Christ died for us so that we could die to the old life, die to the sin nature, die to all the, the curse stuff that was part of our part of who we were, and then we could live. But it's not just this physical life. It says, yet not I. It's not just me living. It's Christ living in me. I went from being Cindy all by myself to Cindy in Christ and to Christ in Cindy. That's who I am now. And because Christ is in me, I can live. I can live the life I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's good news. It's not Cindy's faith. It's the faith of the Son of God in me. Over the last, well, last session and this session, we're looking at four different accounts. They're all from the Gospel of Mark. And they're people that were, that I'm calling them different levels of faith, but it's really not different levels of faith because we all have the same measure of faith. But I think what it is, it's different knowledge of that faith and different application of that faith or acting out that faith. So the first account I shared last week was the account of the father and the, his son who was epileptic. And that man didn't even know if Jesus could heal, let alone if he would. He said, Jesus, if you can have compassion and heal my son. He didn't even know if he could. And then when Jesus said, oh yeah, I can. And he said, all things are possible to him who believes. And then the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. So you could see that there was a lot of mix, mixture in that man's heart. And my guess is he probably just didn't have a lot of knowledge. He had seen Jesus work. He had seen healings. He had heard, I believe, it makes sense that he heard the reputation of Jesus. He received healing for his son. Now, last week I taught about a lot of the, the key factors that maybe you haven't even thought about, about that dad and his son. And I also shared some seeds of breakthrough that just enough for that little seed of faith, that tiny seed of faith to be received and that little boy to be healed. The second story I shared last week was the story of the, of, um, the man with leprosy. And he came to Jesus. He knew that Jesus could heal, but he didn't know if it was his will to heal. And he said, Jesus, if you are willing, cleanse me. And Jesus said, I am willing. I love that. I love that statement because it shows me he is willing. <laughs> he wouldn't say it to him and not to me. And then we talked about the, the lie in the world that says, well, maybe it's not God's will to heal. God can heal, but is it his will to heal? And we, we 
First of all, we teach that in Jesus Christ heals today, every day, every session, it is his will to heal. And there's tons of biblical evidence. And we teach whole sessions on the truth of the Bible that give us absolute evidence and truth that it is God's will to heal. But that man didn't know it. The man with leprosy didn't know it. So he was, he was confused. But even in that moment of him not really knowing the full truth, Jesus met him right where he was at. And he said, I am willing. He told the man what he needed to hear. I am willing. And he was healed. Today we're going to look at two more um, types of faith. Two more levels of knowing truth and applying truth and then standing in faith. So, the first kind of faith we're going to look at today is great faith. Jesus called this great faith. And the words that I've connected with great faith are, if I can. Jesus, I know that you can. I know that you're willing. Now, if I can just reach out and take it. If I can just touch the hem of your garment, I know that I'll be healed. So this is the account of the woman with the issue of blood. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. There's the if I can statement. If I can only touch his clothes, if I can only reach out, if I can only encounter Jesus, I know I'll be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging all around you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So the first thing I want to look at is the magnitude of her need. And as we talk about the magnitude of her need, look at your own need, your own situation. And see, I believe that as we share each of these different um, accounts, probably some of us will fit into some of these accounts and it will minister to you right where you're at and help you to take that step to reach out and take the healing like this woman did. So let's look at the magnitude of her need. First of all, she was a social outcast by religious tradition because of the flow of her blood. With the law of Moses, because of the blood, she was considered unclean and she had to be excluded from the, from the people. Not only was she considered unclean, but if she was around other people, they also would become unclean. So there was a, a stigma, and she had lived with that for 12 years. That's the second huge factor. It was a long-standing condition. 
The scripture tells us it, it had been 12 years. So whenever there's a long-standing condition, there's the potential for that long-standing condition to impact our faith and to say, well, maybe it isn't, you know, because it's been so long. If it was God's will, why wouldn't I have received it by now? So that's, a, that's all a lie. That's all deception. But it puts us in that position to be disappointed or discouraged or to buy a lie and try to fit your experience into the word instead of having the word mold your believing. So that was an issue. Here's another thing to consider. She'd suffered a great deal. I don't know if it was pain. I don't know if it was um, the, the exclusion. But whatever the case, she had suffered a great deal. Another factor. She had been to many doctors and none were able to provide relief. Many of us have done the same thing. You've gone, whatever the condition is, it's been a long-standing condition. You've been to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. And you're not better. In fact, like this woman, she was worse. And the, the last thing to consider on this list is that it, she spent all her money. I hear this same story many, many times from people that I'm praying with and talking to. Long-standing problems, issues with doctor after doctor after doctor, treatment after treatment after treatment, lots of money, not enough money, pain, suffering. So many of us have been in this kind of a position before. Now we're going to look at some key factors. That woman got healed. So bottom line, you might say, oh, that's my story and it's not a good one. Good news for you. She got healed and God doesn't play favorites. Okay, here's some key factors. She approached Jesus with knowledge of who he was and what he had done. In all four of the accounts that I've shared, this is a common denominator. Every one of the people had seen Jesus and knew the testimony of Jesus. In this case, with this woman, I believe that it had reoriented her perspective. It had changed her focus. Knowing Jesus and his healing and what he was doing and the miracles and the signs and the wonders that were following him, it reoriented her perspective. So instead of looking at all of the issues that we just talked about, instead of looking at all of that, her focus shifted. And she was focusing on Jesus instead. She wasn't going to look any other way except to Jesus. Second key factor, her words. In the Amplified Translation, it says, She kept saying, If I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. She kept saying it. She kept saying it over and over and over. If only I can touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. She was speaking life. She was speaking an expectation. And she kept speaking it. She kept saying it. So her words were powerful. She was speaking life and not death. She could have been telling everybody about all the issues. But the Bible doesn't say she was doing that. The Bible says she kept saying, if I can only touch his garments, I know I'll be made well. Third factor. She approached Jesus with disregard for her religious tradition. Hmm. 
She wasn't supposed to do that. She put that aside. She put the law, the rules, the stuff that she was supposed to do according to her religion. She put that aside and she says, I'm going to Jesus. And then she took a huge risk. Because she put the religious tradition aside and went to Jesus, she took a huge risk. A person's level of risk tends to correspond with their level of faith. Let me say that the other way around. A person's level of faith tends to correspond to the risk that they're willing to take. So the risk that she took by putting aside the law, the religious law, and going to Jesus showed her faith. She had the potential to be stoned to death. Because that's, the, the, that's what they were supposed to do with people who, who broke that, that law. She said, well, I can either go there to Jesus and be stoned to death, or I can go to Jesus and be healed. And she took the risk to go to Jesus to receive her healing. That kind of tenacity, that kind of determination is the recipe for a miracle, for healing, for significant healing. I'm going to take just a second to share a piece of my testimony. And as I was praying about this, God showed me, I need to just be blunt. I just need to just say it the way it happened. Because sometimes I try to tiptoe around this part of my testimony because I don't want to hurt feelings. But I'm not going to because I just feel like I need to be bold. When I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer all of those years ago, it's been 15 years that I was given a death sentence, and I am so healthy that I could, oh, goodness, I could do anything. When I was diagnosed, I was part of uh, a denomination. I was a Catholic. And I had been brought up in a very, uh, a beautiful family, a faith-filled, faithful Catholic family. But when I was diagnosed with cancer, and my friend Jenny started telling me what the Bible says about healing and that it's God's will to heal, That had never been taught in my Catholic church. It was taught that God could heal. And I love to read those stories of miracles and of angels. I love to read them. But I'd never seen anybody healed in real life. I'd read stories, but I'd never known anybody who was healed. I had to do what this woman did. I had to walk away. Mm, Wrong word. I had to add something to my faith that was against my faith. I took what I already had and I added something that was basically disagreed with in in my Catholic church that it was always God's will to heal and, and I could receive it. And I chose to turn my perspective to the Bible, to Jesus, to the truth of the word. And it was hard to do. It hurt my family. It still hurts my family. They want me to be doing everything I'm doing now in the Catholic Church. And it hurts my family. But I have chosen to please God, to to read God's word and believe it at 
the word at the word instead of instead of believing tradition a manner or something that i've been told i choose to believe what's in the word so it was a risk and it wasn't easy to do now i will say this i didn't do it all at once i didn't do cold turkey i didn't say mom and dad bye bye no i didn't do that i was it, i let god lead me and direct me and so i would um go to my my church my catholic church on saturday and then i would go to the the um charismatic spirit-filled church on sunday that was teaching me truth about healing and i did that for quite a long season and then god released me from going to the catholic church on saturday with with no guilt or anything like that and that's kind of what happened to me i'm not saying that's right for everybody but that's what happened to me but I had to go against the religious tradition of my family during that season of my life, and I still am. So that was another key factor. She chose Jesus first and foremost. And the next factor, she pressed through the crowd with persistence and determination. She pressed through. When someone has an accurate view of Jesus, who he is, what he can do, and what he's willing to do, they can't remain stationary. Even though there are obstacles to overcome, and she had obstacles, even though there are obstacles, staying in the place of defeat is no longer an option. Just picture that woman. She had a vision. She knew Jesus. She knew what he could do. She knew what he was willing to do. And she wasn't going to stay in that place of defeat. She was going to move ahead. She was going to be persistent. She was determined. And there was no other option. So let's look at some seeds of breakthrough. The first seed of breakthrough is that she positioned herself to be healed. She went for it. She said, I know if I can just get to Jesus. And we've all heard the stories of how the crowd was so huge that she probably had to crawl through the people because she couldn't have pressed her way through standing up. She positioned herself to be healed. Now, you're doing that right now just by being here. You're coming to a healing meeting where we're talking about healing. When we use God's word and teach about healing, there's an anointing for healing. It's, it's a byproduct of reading the scripture and talking about healing. There's an anointing for healing. You're positioning yourself right now for healing. And that's what she did. But we have a choice. We've, God's given us free will. We can either position ourselves to receive healing or we can choose to remain in that place of the pain, the symptoms, the unbelief, the doubt, the religious tradition, the what, what so-and-so said, I have, or what your husband is said, maybe saying, maybe what your parents are saying. You know, you can stay in that position that maybe doesn't agree with God, or you can say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm over here. I agree with God. I'm all in, God. Position yourself to receive. That's what she did. Another seed of breakthrough is that she wasn't preoccupied with the mechanics of how her healing might take place. She didn't try to figure it all out. She just went for it. She said, somehow, (laughs) I'm just going to go get it. She didn't know how that was going to happen. 
one of the things I think we do is we, we, we kind of picture how it's going to happen. And then, and then we put God in a box. And we say, okay, God, when I go have that PET scan, it's going to be 100% clear. But it's not always that way. That doesn't mean that God's not going to completely heal you and restore you. I went through that. I went through that where the PET scan was not clear. But he healed me. Joy. My friend Joy that I shared the testimony about. You never know how God's going to do it, but I can guarantee you it's good. I can guarantee you we would not figure it out as good as he does. But we tend to want to... Uh, know the mechanics or figure it out or dwell on the mechanics of the how we're going to get healed. And we kind of get in the way instead of surrendering completely and letting God do his thing. This woman wasn't preoccupied with the mechanics. One of the, the things that I verbalize whenever I'm seeking God for something is I, I, I use the word trust. And I say, God, I trust you. I just trust you. I don't, I'm not even going to try to figure it out. This is my need, and I'm going to trust you to meet my need. I can't wait to see how it happens. And that's what this woman did. Another seed of breakthrough. She did not allow fear to keep her from getting to Jesus. Fear is pretty real. We're going to talk more about fear after, after um, the new year. Fear is a big deal. And it very often targets your faith because the enemy doesn't want you to win. And that's the enemy's camp. But here's some good news. Faith doesn't mean an absence of fear. Faith means that instead of catering to fear that's there, you take risks based on God's word instead. So faith doesn't mean an absence of fear. It just means you're not catering to the fear. It means you're taking steps. My pastor used to say, do it afraid. And that's what this woman did. It says in there, she came with fear and trembling to Jesus to confess what she had done. Okay, I got to confess up. She had already received her healing. She could have just went the other way, healed. But she went to Jesus and acknowledged him and acknowledged her miracle. And I'm pretty sure she was, had fear and trembling before that moment when she was pressing through the crowd. But it didn't stop her. She took the risk because she knew Jesus. She knew his reputation. So she put the fear aside and she went for it. And the last seed of, of breakthrough is that the demonstration of her faith Brought instant physical results. She demonstrated her faith. She took action. Jesus didn't even go to her and lay hands on her and heal her. He did nothing. He was just walking. And when she went to him and grabbed hold of that hem of his garment, the virtue of healing just was passed from him to her. Isn't that awesome? What I would like to do before we do the, the ministry time is I would like to share another testimony of a woman that I know personally who reminds me of this woman, the woman with the issue of blood. Her name's Jerry McDowell. This is just a part of her testimony. Um, it's, I've been following Jerry for years now, but this is just a, a beautiful testimony. Um, this woman lives in Lexington, Kentucky, 
And before her new life, she was a very faithful religious person, a very faithful churchgoer. But like many of us, when everything was going well in her life and the cares of the world kept her busy, she really didn't press into Jesus and expect or believe his promises because she really didn't have a need. She was diagnosed in 2003 with neuroendocrine cancer, which is something to do with the abdominal cavity. Um, and she had treatment, everything went okay, and she was, she was okay. And then in 2008, in October of 2008, she found that the cancer had returned. The doctor's report was inoperable, not treatable, incurable. The weekend after she got that diagnosis... This is, this is how cool God is. Jerry's brother and sister-in-law live in Rochester, Michigan, and they went to Kensington Church. I don't know if you know them, Linda. There's so many people at Kensington. I don't even know their names. <laughs> but anyway, they went to visit Jerry in Kentucky, and they took her a copy of my book. I have no idea how they got it. They took her a copy of my book. When they were down there, they were only there for a weekend, this brother and sister from Rochester. She read the book while they were there. It was the first time she had ever heard that Jesus heals today. Now, here's where she was like the woman with the issue of blood. That was a weekend. At that time, our meetings were on Wednesday. Between the weekend and Wednesday, her and her husband decided to come to Michigan. They had packed their car, they drove to Michigan, and they were at our meeting that week. We talked, we prayed. I shared more truth with her. I started to connect with her. She started to connect with me through the Internet resources that we talk about all the time. And now I'm going to tell the rest of her story. Um, at, right away, she had to do what many of us do. She started to go to doctors and oncologists and surgeons, etc. She went to three oncologists and two oncology surgeons, and all five of them told her that there was no treatment and no cure for the cancer she had been diagnosed with. So Jerry started to actively do the word of God. She started to pray his word constantly. She read and reread the Bible. She read and reread my book, A Blessed Journey. She was supposed to have a CAT scan in January to mark the progress or whatever of the cancer, but she refused it. She knew that God was taking care of her body, and she didn't want any doctor's reports to deter her from God's perfect plan. Remember sometimes I said sometimes we, we have a picture in our mind of how God's going to do it? She didn't want anything to, to disrupt what God was doing, so she didn't even want that test. The first CAT scan that she submitted to was in May. So she went to have that CAT scan, but she got a bad report. In addition to everything else that was in her abdomen, the scan also showed spots in three lobes of her lungs and in her liver. And here's what was so amazing. She called me that day. I remember it. And this is what she told me. She said, Cindy, it's so weird. The faith that I had before I got that bad report is nothing compared to the faith that I have now. She said that it just, it just exploded within her. She'd been feeding her faith. She'd been keeping her eyes on Jesus. And when she got that bad report, she refused to look at the report. 
She kept her eye on the word. She kept her eye on Jesus. And faith rose up. Powerful, powerful faith. She refused to waver. She said when she had symptoms, she commanded them to leave. When she was weak, she commanded the weakness to leave. And they did. The symptoms left. The weakness left. One month later, in June, Jerry was scheduled for a different kind of scan. It was a two-day-long scan. And this is what is in her testimony. She says, I knew that God wouldn't budge. I knew that his word was unchangeable. So that report had to change. That's all there was to it. So when she got the results back from that scan, she went to the doctor, and he sat down at his, in his, by his desk and crossed his arms and looked at Jerry, and he said, I don't understand. All the spots are completely gone. The biopsies were positive, but now they're gone. The woman with the issue of blood. The woman who said no to the symptoms and the doctor's reports and all this stuff and said yes to God and pressed in. She pressed in. She refused to waver. She refused to buy everything that everybody was telling her. She had lots and lots and lots of opportunities to buy the lie. And she refused it every single time. She kept her eyes on Jesus and she received what she was believing for. So what, what we're going to do now, before we go to the fourth kind of faith, is we're going to take a, a couple minutes now for what I call corporate ministry. Corporate means together. So I am going to um, um, n- name some things that I want to pray for based on what we've been hearing. Remember how I said there's an anointing? When we've been, when we've been hearing about God's word, there's an anointing for healing, that very same thing. So I'm going to name some of those things. And if you're dealing with anything even similar, it doesn't have to be exactly, I want you to stand up and we're going to pray for you. We've got some of our ministry team here that's going to lay hands and be ready to minister. And so Kent's going to um, just, can you turn music on now or is it too hard to do, Kent? Okay, well, we're just going to start. The first thing I want to pray for is anybody with any issue of blood. So it might be a female issue or it might be um, uh, anemia or um, uh, some any kind of blood cancer like multiple myeloma or leukemia, um, hepatitis, any issues of the blood. If you have an issue with blood, stand up. We're going to pray for your blood. Father God, we thank you that you're not a respecter of persons. And we thank you that just as you healed the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible, that you are the healer of blood. Jesus, I can't help but see the blood that you shed for us. When the whip tore your back with all of those lashes, the Bible says by those stripes we were healed. And we know that those stripes caused blood to flow from your body. Jesus, your blood was the perfect sacrifice to to, uh, bring in the new covenant of grace. So Jesus, we see the gift of your blood exchanging with the blood that is not healthy in any way. 
I declare right now that your great exchange is being received right now into these people. And any issue with blood that they're dealing with is exchanged with your healthy blood, with your healing grace, with your good plan and your good purpose for them. Father, just like you healed my friend Joy and her bone marrow is healthy and the blood cancer that she was fighting is no longer there. God, you are not a respecter of persons. So I pray right now that the grace of God is flowing into everybody that is standing and taking that act of faith, just like the woman who stood up and went to Jesus. Father, that as they stand here right now, we believe together with them and we say we receive, we take the gift of healing of blood right now. In Jesus' holy name we pray. praise you, Jesus. We praise you for healing all issues of blood. We praise you, Jesus, that your blood was more than enough to heal our blood. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And now I want everybody, this is just a general prayer, to activate the faith, the seed, the measure of faith that's in your your soul. Why don't we all stand and just I like to put my hands like this, like, okay, I'm receiving. I'm ready to receive. And just get ready as I pray this. Father, my prayer right now is that something would stir in our soul to agree with what's already done in the spiritual realm. That we would stand positioned to receive, just like that woman. She positioned herself to receive by going to Jesus. Father, as we stand with our our hands held open, We say, we're positioned to receive God. We're positioned to take the gift that you have already paid for. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for what you have already provided. And I pray right now that we choose to look away from the problem, away from the symptoms, away from the issues, and we reorient our focus to you, Jesus, and all that you have already done. And that we just need to touch the hem of your garment and receive, just like that woman. Father, may we go and uh, uh, do it afraid. No fear, no trembling will get us in a position of, of standing still. But no, we will be persistent and determined I pray for that to rise up in your soul. Persistence and determination. And that fear has to be buried. Because it has no right to lead you or guide you. No. You're not going to cater to fear. Instead, you're going to do it afraid. Take the step of faith to say, God, it's your will and I'm receiving it. It's your will and I'm taking it. I believe I believe that you paid the price for my healing. And I say, yes, I agree with you, God. So I pray that that faith rises up in our hearts and that we will no longer be held down by oppression. We will no longer be held down by the doctor's reports. We will no longer be held down by symptoms. We will no longer be held down by a long-standing issue that we've been dealing with and discouragement. We call all of those things blown away in the wind of the Spirit. And we receive the fullness of your healing, Jesus. 
Say, I receive it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to the, the fourth kind of faith that I want to touch on, and this is aggressive faith. We're kind of moving along the pendulum or the, 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 the line of faith, and we're moving into one that is just powerhouse, aggressive faith. And this, this phrase that I've put with it is, I can't, but he can. This is from Mark chapter 10. Now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may have my sight, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Because of his blindness, he couldn't do what the woman with the issue of blood did. He couldn't pursue Jesus. He couldn't go to Jesus. His only option was to wait to be in the right place at the right time. And when he did... He recognized that there was a limited, limited opportunity, and he wasn't going to let it go. So here are some key factors. He was not timid. He was not tame with his expression of faith. When he heard that Jesus was coming, he immediately started shouting. He wasn't quiet. He wasn't tame. He shouted. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Those words that he spoke were an indicator that he had faith that Jesus was the Messiah. Because son of David was a messianic title. That was from the, the, the old, old covenant. It was a messianic title. So when he addressed Jesus as son of David, he was expressing his faith that Jesus was the Messiah. Now at that time, they didn't have all the history we have. Jesus had not yet died and raised from the dead. They didn't have the Bible to go and read all of the Gospels. He still believed that Jesus was the Messiah. So the question is, why? What caused him to have that kind of, of faith? What caused him to, to, to take that huge, bold step? Once again, it was the testimony of Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. It had to be. Why else would he have done it? He either heard people talking about Jesus or he had somehow heard Jesus himself healing. Maybe he'd been in the synagogue. We don't know that part. But somehow he had heard about Jesus. Miracles and signs and wonders 
point us to the heart of God. He had been pointed to the heart of God. And he wasn't going to let go. He had an aggressive faith. He had an aggressive faith. An aggressive faith has an attitude. I have a, a teaching on our website that's called Passive Versus Active Faith. And it deals with the difference between being passive and being assertive or aggressive in your faith. And this guy had aggressive faith. What I want to do now is I want to share two scriptures from, from the word that teach us what aggressive faith looks like and why it's so important. So the first one is Mark 11, verse 22 through 24. This is when Jesus is teaching us about faith. So he answered and said to his disciples, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's good news, isn't it? I love that scripture when I was dealing with cancer, and I could speak to cancer and tell it to go. And this scripture says that whatever I said, if I believed it in my heart without doubting, that it would be done. But then Jesus repeats it again, and he says, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So he repeats it in another, in another way. He says it one way, and then he says it another way. And the second time he says, okay, when you're praying, believe. He doesn't say, pray, and then get your answer, and then believe. Uh-uh. He says, when you pray, believe. And then he goes more. He says, believe that you have received it. The word received in the Greek means have taken. Pray. And when you pray, believe that you have taken the promise that you've asked God for. Now, here's the key. Everything that God has promised has already been provided. He doesn't have to provide it today. He already died. He already provided it. It's done. And as children of God, that's my inheritance. I didn't know that when I was diagnosed 15 years ago. Thank God my friend told me truth. The Bible says that when we pray, we're to believe that we have taken it. Now, you might say, well, my body still has cancer in it. Well, that might be in the physical realm, but listen to this. We're three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. Our, in the spiritual realm, it's done. It's ours. It's our inheritance. What God's telling us is to get our soul in line with our spirit. This is our believer. This is our chooser, our soul. If we choose to believe it, you don't have to understand it. That's the good news. You just have to choose to believe it. God, I choose to believe that you already did it. When you're choosing it, you're taking it. You are taking it. That's what believing is. It's agreeing with God. And when our soul is in agreement with what's already done in the spiritual realm, then our body has no choice but to follow suit. Now, it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen. It has to. When your soul believes within your heart, when you believe without doubting, that's another whole teaching. Believing 
without doubting, without having anything cancel out your believing, when you believe without doubting that the finished work is yours, then you have taken it. And it will show up in the physical realm. Two against one. It's as simple as that. Your soul and your spirit against what's going on in your body. And you receive the benefit. That's what's happening with joy. I'm seeing her soul just feed on God's word and dwell in his goodness. And the joy of the Lord, like her name, is rising up in her. Peace that passes all understanding. She knows that she knows that she knows that it's hers. Like the woman I read you, Jerry, Jerry McDowell. With all those bad reports. She didn't believe the reports. She was immersed in what was already done. She was immersed in Jesus. Her perspective was on Jesus. Like blind Bartimaeus that couldn't even see. But his focus was on Jesus. So here's the second scripture about aggressive faith. Matthew 11, starting with verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Did I put that scripture on your paper? Did I write that one on your paper? Okay, good. Underline most ardent zeal and intense exertion. If I, I don't know if I... I type out some scriptures, but I don't do them all. Okay. Well, go to your own Bible at home and underline it. This is so powerful. You see, the kingdom of heaven is talking about the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean heaven after you die. The kingdom of heaven refers to what we have as believers. We join the kingdom of heaven. We're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love when we're saved. That's where we are positioned. But there's stuff that's always assaulting us. That's why we're here. (laughs) There's stuff in the world that assaults us in the world, even though we are the king's kid. This scripture says that violent men seize it by force. We seize the kingdom of heaven. We seize our inheritance by force as a precious prize. It's our gift. It's our prize. It's already been purchased for us. It's ours. But to have, to, to gain the full benefits, it's sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. That's aggressive faith. That's aggressive faith. That's what blind Bartimaeus did. And we're going to, I'm going to show you right now some of the ways that he did this with his ardent zeal, with his pursuing, with his aggressive faith. So here's the first seed of breakthrough. The first seed was that he got a rhema word from God. Remember the part of the scripture where um, he was yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. And they were trying to shut him up and he yelled all the louder. And then Jesus stopped and he said, he knew his name, blind Bartimaeus. He called him by name and he said, call him to me. That was his word. And that's what they did. They went and they said, The master, Jesus, he's calling you. He wants you to come. That was his word. A rhema word 
is a word that's spoken directly to you from God. It's when God just tells you what you need for that moment, for that time. Very often it comes through the Bible, but it doesn't have to come through the Bible. You might get a rhema word as you're praying where God just speaks to your heart. And he just loves on you and tells you a treasure, just what you needed for that day, for that time. He might speak a rhema word to you through a prophecy or through somebody that's praying with you or through somebody that's teaching. But however it is, God often speaks to us. Um, Lisa's not here tonight, but she's on our ministry team. And this is something I've seen Lisa do many times. Whenever she's in a battle of any kind, one of the first things she does is she goes to God and she says, God, I need a word from you. And then she will expect God to give her a word. It's usually a scripture. And then she takes that scripture and she plants it deep in her heart. She continues to speak it and, and let it minister to her. And it carries her through that season until she sees the result. And she always, she always sees the result. She has an aggressive faith. So that's the first thing this man did. There's a scripture in the Bible, Luke one thirty seven, that says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. The word nothing in that scripture that's underlined is three Greek words. No thing rhema. So if something is rhema, if God has spoken to your heart, if he's given you a promise, if it's alive within you, not here, but here, then it's not impossible. For me, that rhema word was, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed, Cindy. And at first it wasn't rhema. At first it was like, oh, that's good news, but it's like good too good to be true news. But over time, it became rhema. Over time, as I meditated on the word, it became real to me. In different seasons of my life, God has given me different rhema words. And those words, I could tell you right now, I could list off rhema words he's given to me. One of them was the one I quoted earlier about God carries me the way, father, the way a father carries a child. He gave that to me once when I was in need. He's given me scripture about... Uh, um, about my voice when I lost my voice. And he said, you will shout praises to God. You will sing praises to God. And, and it was just what I needed because I had no voice. So he's given me scriptures in every season that I've been in to carry me through until I saw the, the manifestation. And that's what he did with this guy. It was a message that ushered in his healings. Just what he needed at that moment for that time was the invitation from Jesus. Here's another seed of breakthrough. This is a big one. As soon as he received that word from God, he did a bold act of faith. He threw off the cloak he was wearing. Let me, let me explain why that was such a bold act of faith. That cloak was an official cloak given to him by the religious officials that signified that he was a legitimate beggar because of his blindness, that he could legally go out there and beg because he was blind. When Jesus called him, he didn't heal him yet. He just called him. 
Blind Bartimaeus, that's what the name was. That was his identity. The cloak showed that he was blind. His name declared that he was blind. He threw that thing off and he let it go and he went to Jesus. What he was doing was he was throwing off his blindness. Now, his eyes still didn't see, but he was saying, I'm no longer blind. I don't need this cloak because I'm going to the healer and I'm getting healed. He was throwing off an identity, guys, that he had lived with his probably his whole life. It doesn't say that in here, but I'm guessing he was blind from birth. It's who he was. He was born blind. He was blind. He had to make his living by begging. That's who he was. He was blind Bartimaeus. He had the cloak to prove it, but he chose to throw off that identity. He did that before he got healed. So here's our message. Is the sickness that you're dealing with your identity? Have you identified with it? Is it something that you've maybe had a, a long standing? Maybe um, I, I was just praying on Sunday at my church, and they were talking about the um, missionary who has rheumatoid arthritis. And because this missionary has rheumatoid arthritis, um, it that disease affects the lungs. This is what I'm listening to. I'm in church. I'm listening to the story. And because it affects his lungs, and he's a missionary to Haiti, and Haiti has such pollution, he's got this really bad issue with his lungs. I'm hearing all this. It's like, don't you know that Jesus heals? <laughs> and, I, I, and I prayed. Of course, I prayed and took authority. But my guess is that that's his identity. And he's received it because he's probably lived with it a whole long time. In this class, we talk about our true identity in Christ. We talk about our inheritance and our identity as the healed of the Lord, as walking in the light and not in the darkness. And if we hear you claim a disease, we will lovingly say, don't claim it. You don't want it, do you? Then don't claim it. It's not your identity. I've given you a phrase here to help you. You can declare this. I'm just going to put a word in the blank. I am not the person with uh, uh, depression. Nope, that's not me. I choose to receive the fullness of my salvation, including healing. I am the healed of the Lord, not a sick person trying to get healed. Now, that's something you can say even before you receive the manifestation. Like blind Bartimaeus, when he threw off that cloak. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm not a blind guy anymore. He said that before he was healed. So throw off that identity. Maybe you didn't even realize you were hanging on to an identity of sickness. If you are, throw it off and say, no, that's not my identity. I have the, the full inheritance of God. That's not part of my inheritance. I want to share a mini story of, of somebody who did this that I got to witness. It was really fun. It was a couple, maybe a year and a half ago, we were doing a conference in Big Rapids. And that particular conference, we saw lots of healings of scoliosis. Many. And they were manifested in different ways. Um, some people grew. Their backs were, you know, I mean, they, their posture changed. Some people, uh, there was a curve, and it was filled in. You could see it filled in. 
Some people had visions of God taking out discs and putting in new discs. There were probably at least five or six people that were healed of really radical scoliosis issues. At the very end of one of the evenings, and they were late evenings because we prayed after the meetings, we prayed for everybody and we had a lot of ministry time. And this woman waited till the very end and she came up to me and she gave me a whole pile of pictures. And they were pictures of her back, the x-rays of her back showing scoliosis. She had carried those pictures in her purse. That's who she was. She was the woman with scoliosis. She knew, and I didn't preach this message, but God told her, you need to get rid of those. You need to throw those away. That's not who you are anymore. Get rid of that identity. And she said, God said, I have to give those to you. I looked for them. I wanted to bring them and show you because I did put them in a folder or something because I, I, I love to tell s- testimonies. And I couldn't find them. But she gave me this whole pile of pictures, and that's exactly what she was doing. She was throwing off that old identity and receiving her healing from Jesus. So if you've been holding on to that identity, tonight we're going to get rid of it, if you choose to. The last point I want to make, well, two more points. Um, The next point I want to make is that Jesus asked Bartimaeus a question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? You might want to answer that question as if Jesus were asking you that question right now. Because the answer to your question can really determine what you receive. In this world, and I'm not saying this is any of us here, but in this world, many times people um, piously ask God for things that aren't healing. Like they ask that the disease would be used to um, somehow bring other people to God or um, that they would have, that God would help them to have patience. A couple of weeks ago, I showed Chris Carlson's testimony and her prayer when Jesus, if Jesus had asked her, what do you want me to do for you? Her prayer was, well, God, if I have to live with this, you just need to help me. You just need to help me to live with it. That was her prayer. When God says, what do you want me to do? That's what she said. She didn't know any different. She wasn't believing for healing. I remember when I was going through this, the, the battle with stage four cancer, my sister said this to me, and I'll never forget it. She said, Cindy, I'm only believing for one thing for you, a miracle, period, nothing less. And it, and, and it was like, well, okay, <laughs> That sounds good to me. I believe for a miracle too. Complete miracle. And I was healed miraculously. I didn't have chemo. I didn't have radiation. I went from stage four cancer through my whole body to healed. And my sister said, Cindy, I'm only believing for a miracle. So what are you asking God for? If Jesus right now said, what do you want me to do for you? What would your answer be? Because that answer can determine what you receive. And here's the last point with Bartimaeus. Of course, Bartimaeus said, I want my sight, right? That was his answer, and he received a sight. Here's the last point. When Bartimaeus addressed Jesus, he called him Rabboni, which means master. So what he was doing was he was submitting to God. He was surrendering. The word I love to use is he was letting God be God. He was giving him lordship. He was giving Jesus lordship.
we're really good in this world at trying to take care of business, doing our research, going to our doctors, taking, you know, doing everything in the natural, just doing what we can do, doing what we can do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to give Jesus lordship over whatever it is. I remember the day that I surrendered cancer to Jesus. It was so amazing because I had that heavy, 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 heavy burden and oppression that was so heavy I could hardly breathe. And when I surrendered it, all of a sudden that was lifted. I didn't have to deal with it. I let God take care of it for me. And it was so much easier. But he can't take it unless we let him take it. And Bartimaeus let Jesus take care of him. He submitted. He surrendered. So we're going to do the same thing we did with the first half of the teaching. We're going to um, put some music on right now. And I'm going to pray for some specific illnesses corporately. And then I'm going to pray for that aggressive faith to be activated within us. So first of all, let's pray for the, the illnesses. So I want to pray right now for some of the things we've just talked about. I want to pray for anything that has to do with blindness or vision issues, whether they are with your eyes or with your your spiritual eyes. So maybe you just have a hard time seeing the way God sees. And you want your vision to be opened, your spiritual vision. Maybe it is your natural eyes that need healed or a problem with your eyes. So if you have any problems with vision, either with your eyes or with your spiritual vision, stand up. Probably everybody's going to stand up because we all want more spiritual vision. Okay. Father God, you see the people standing. Me too. Father, we pray for vision. We pray, Father, that we see as you see. That we don't limit you. That we don't put you in a box and say, God can only do it a certain way. Or God doesn't want to do that. That's not important enough. God, may we see you as the good daddy that you are. The loving father that you are. The Father that so wants to pour out every great, amazing, wonderful gift that you have for us. And it's right there for the taking. Open our eyes, God. Open the eyes of our heart to receive the fullness of your love, of your goodness, of your faithfulness deep into our inner person. Father, may we see light instead of darkness. I know that one little tiny candle will light up a dark room. But I also know that darkness can sometimes come in and seem so very heavy that we don't feel like we can get out from under it. So, Father, I pray right now for light. I pray for light. You are light. May we just let you be light in us. May we give no place to darkness. In Jesus' name.
Father, I pray for our natural vision as well. I pray for our eyes, our optic nerves, our lenses, our corneas. I pray for the pressure in our eyes. I pray, Father, that our eyes are young. I pray and I say no to dry eye. I say no to pink eye. I say no to any disease of the eye. And I pray that our eyes are healthy and strong all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I want to pray for backs because I've shared testimony about scoliosis. So if there's anybody here that has issues with your back, just stay standing. We're going to have our ministry team come around and lay hands on your backs. We may just do a quick touch, but that's okay because Jesus is here. We speak over backs right now. I speak over any discs that are slipped or dislocated. I speak over any abnormalities in alignment. I speak over any nerve pain that's caused from um, back misalignment. I speak right now over uh, uh, a spine that is curved, curvature of the spine. I speak over scoliosis. I tell all of those things that you must bow under the name of Jesus because Jesus is our healer and he paid the price. Mm, Father, just as you healed so many people under our hands, so many backs, I just declare that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we are prophesying right now, healing over these backs. Pain, go in Jesus' name. Back pain, go, be removed in Jesus' name. I pray for a refreshing to flow through your back. And I declare, I expect backs to be healed and made well again. I speak renewed youth in backs in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, the next thing I want, the last thing, the last thing I want to pray for is an aggressive faith. Let's all stand up and put your hands up, ready to receive. Father, we want to be like blind Bartimaeus who throws off our old identity and walks into the identity who we really are, who we are and whose we are. So right now, I I, um, mm, I just say, I throw off false identity, and I want you to do that. I throw off anything I've been holding on to, any lie. I take it and I let go of it. I throw it off like blind Bartimaeus threw off that cloak. That's not who I am. So I throw it off. I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not a sick person trying to get healed. I am healed. That's who I am. Because I'm the son of of the living God or the daughter and I have his inheritance. Yes. I pray over you right now and I pray that an aggressive faith rises up and stirs in you 
that wants to reach out and take the gifts that Jesus has already paid for. That Jesus paid a great price and he didn't die in vain. He wants those gifts to be received. He wants healing to be received in your physical body and in your souls. He wants it more than we want it. So I pray right now that that aggressive faith, that faith that says, Jesus, you did it, I receive it. You did it, I take it. That faith rises up in us. I pray, Father, for a repositioning of our eyes. That we quit looking at the problem and we start looking at you. I pray, Father, that that words of Rhema are just released. Mm. And I'm just going to ask the question that Jesus asked. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? that's exactly what I want to do for you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now that that aggressive faith rises up in us. That aggressive faith rises up in us and we don't sit passively waiting, but we actively take steps of faith to believe and receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.